0: Amen, 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 amen. Well, why don't you go ahead and take a seat. Good morning. My name is Nate. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. If you are new, please fill out the connect card that is on your seat. And it looks like I'm glowing like an angel. So that's great. That's great. The glory of the Lord. Uh, we would love for you to connect. So there's a connect card on your seat or on your neighbor's seat, please fill that out um, and turn it in so that we can help you in your spiritual journey, wherever that may be. Uh, A couple things real quick. On September 18th, remember we're celebrating our three-year anniversary, which is crazy, and we're very excited about that. Uh, It's going to be an amazing day, so don't miss that Sunday. Uh, If you want to get baptized, we're going to do some baptisms on that day. So as I've been saying, please reach out to me or email us at City Light, and we'd be happy to connect with you and walk you through that process. Uh, We have a lot of baptisms planned that day. It's going to be a heck of a party, okay? I'm very excited. Uh, So if you want to join that baptism party, uh, please connect with us. We'd love to help you. Also, we're still gathering in stories, and if you feel like there's really something that the Lord's done in this last year uh, that might be worth sharing, either in that context or maybe we find a different one, please reach out and let us know. We would love to do that with you. Uh, Also, the day before that, on September 17th, is our Immerse, which is our 9 to 9, 12 hours of prayer and fasting. We do that three times a year to kick off the next season. Uh, and So this is the final season of 2022. And so on September 17th, nine hours, 12 hours of prayer, 9 to 9. Uh, these are, this is one of the most significant things that we do as a body of believers together. Uh, we devote ourselves to prayer. And so just that whole weekend, okay, mark it off. All right, come join us. Uh, You can join us anytime from 9 to 9. We eat dinner together at 6, which is a great time just to get to know people, uh, hang out. And then 7 to 9, we just finish going hard after the Lord. I promise you, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be exciting. Uh, And so join us to pray. Join us to sing. Join us to worship. Set some time in your calendar for that. Uh, In light of how important that is, I'm going to spend the next two weeks talking about prayer. Uh, so that we can continue to grow in this. And you say, Nay, you talk about prayer all the time. That's exactly right. Uh, because if we can learn to pray, almost anything else will be fruitful, okay? Like, if I can teach you and teach myself, if the Lord teaches us to pray, uh, then we will really do most everything else really well. Uh, and so we want to continue to devote ourselves to prayer, and uh, I want to overemphasize the importance um, of prayer in your life, also these prayer gatherings that we have together on uh, September 17th. So join us for a merse. So in light of that, we're gonna spend two weeks talking about prayer. We're gonna look at a king in the Old Testament named Hezekiah. Uh, We're gonna look at two prayers that he prayed. Um, One was for a whole group of people and one was for himself. So this is great. It's gonna help us with public prayer for all people and private prayer, prayers for ourselves. So this is what we're gonna see is that prayer changes everything in my world and in my life. These are the two things I want you to do in the next two weeks, that prayer changes things in the world and in my life. And I hope by the grace of God that we are thoroughly convinced in the cause and effect nature of prayer. That's my goal. That's, that's part of what we want to see um, is the cause and effect nature of prayer. And so as we've been growing as a praying people, I think we've learned really well so far. We're learning the relationship aspect of prayer, that we cultivate a love for his presence, that I come to pray just for him. I just want to be with him. And so that's one of the reasons I pray. That's the primary reason. Uh, But also we need to continue to grow in what would be called intercession, prayers for things, for people, for others. And the basic foundational belief that you have to have is that this prayer makes a difference. Which you say, well sure, that's what, okay hold up. Do you really, I mean come on, you really believe. That's what we got to get to. This root drive within us to say, this prayer, no matter how feeble it may be, makes a difference in the world around me and in my life. This is just like uh, when you're, when you have a child who realizes what happens when they push the button, okay? That's why all the things make noises, because kids are learning. Well, if I push the triangle, it goes, you know, if I push the circle, it goes circle, you know, and it it does these different things, and the kid learns, so they just, you know, and then they just keep, as soon as they realize, my finger hits that, thing and it makes a noise cause and effect okay this is an amazing thing that kids learn right away and then they just go they just poke it oh then you lose your mind you're like throw the toy away I don't want to listen to that anymore well this is exactly what is supposed to happen with us when we realize and continue to grow in the fact that my prayers work they make a difference so I just keep hitting that button over and over and over and over and over again Why? Because at the foundation of my life, I believe that this cause, my prayer, has an effect. Something changes in the world. And I'm just telling you, you have to believe this. And we're going to walk through uh, reasons why you don't believe this, maybe some of the things that get in the way. Obviously, uh, not every prayer gets answered in the way that we ask. And so we get confused, we're unsure. Sometimes we get discouraged, do my prayers really make a difference? For some of you, uh, you're still not even sure if God exists, so the idea of prayer Uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and I want you to also understand uh, what we believe about the nature of prayer, and how the God who loves you also cares about your life. That's what I want you to hear this morning. You don't know the Lord. You're kind of here looking things out. I want you to know that the reason we pray is because God cares about the things in the world, and he cares about your life. And he cares about what's going on with your spirit. And he cares about what's going on with your family. And he cares about what's going on in your neighborhood. And he cares about the things that are going on in your life and in the world around you. We pray because God cares and God can do things. And I hope to encourage you to enter into a relationship with a God who loves you, who cares about your life, to give you access to this thing called prayer, which is an amazing, amazing gift uh, to us. So in light of all that, let's open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 19. Alright, and let's read a little snippet from this huge story, okay, I'm not going to read, it's, it's several chapters of a story, okay, so I'm not going to read all that, but I'm going to read this kind of part that summarizes an essential part of it, and then we'll expand from there. So 2 Kings 19, 14 through 19, uh, verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands, they have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you are God alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, and this sentence should bring a lot of comfort to your soul, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Uh, We're going to stop right there and kind of expand it from that point. So prayer really does change things. The context of this story is there's a king of Assyria named Sennacherib, and he was wiping people out. So you have Hezekiah, who's the king of Judah, okay? You're talking Old Testament. Yeah, Hezekiah is the king of Judah, and there's this guy now who's rising up, and he's just wiping people out. So imagine, uh, you know, somebody's coming from you know, like Winchester, okay, and then they start knocking out Manassas, and then, you know, uh, Fairfax goes down and rested, and you're like, okay, it's coming my way, you know, hey, okay, it's coming this way, you know, and Annandale goes out, and you're like, okay, hey, oh, it's right here, the false church is the next one, okay, this is what's happening. Uh, if we were, so to speak, a false church, were a kingdom, and we were right here, that's what it would be like. It'd be like, okay, there's this guy, and he's wiping out all the nations around us, and now he's coming for us. Uh, and this guy, uh, in an effort to spread terror, he writes a letter, which is a funny way to do this, of your impending doom, all right? So imagine you get a letter in the mail that's like, I'm going to come kill you in three days, signed, you know, whatever. You'd be like, oh my goodness, all right? So this is what's happening, you know? He's so proud, this king. He's like, we're going to, I'm letting you know I'm coming. I'll be there, you know, at 1047, and this I'm going to wipe your whole nation out, okay? This is the, this is the letter that Hezekiah gets. So he receives the letter, that was verse 14. He reads it, and then he responds uh, in prayer. So this is the situation. It was very bleak, okay? They, they were not a powerhouse at this moment. I mean, in worldly standards, Assyria was the, the big, big dog on the block, all right? They, they should be afraid of Assyria based off just army and worldly standards, okay? The Judah wasn't, wasn't popping at this time yet, okay? They, they weren't doing the same uh, level of strength they had when David was king. So now they have Assyria who's coming. They're shaking in their boots, okay? They're trying to wheel and deal, making deals. They're trying to figure out what to do, and this situation is bad. So Hezekiah knows if his kingdom gets taken down, he's dead, all right? This is like imminent, you know? If my people go down, I'm the first one. They're going to come after the king. Uh, this is not looking good, all right? I want you to get the depravity of the situation, all right? This is not looking good. And then, in the midst of a deep, dark, awful, hopeless, depressing situation, Hezekiah's first response is to pray. And Hezekiah's prayer changes the outcome of death and destruction to one of victory. He says to Hezekiah, your prayer I have heard your prayer I have heard. We'll see later. Let me skip over for you to verse 32. This is what God promises. So Sennacherib makes a promise, I'm going to wipe you out. Hezekiah prays, and then God makes a promise in accordance with Hezekiah's prayer. What is God's promise? Therefore, thus says the Lord in verse 32 concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, he won't even shoot an arrow there, or come before it with shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. So this is God's response to Hezekiah's prayer. Now we can't over, you know, we can't miss this. This is God's response to Hezekiah's prayer. So Hezekiah makes a prayer. This prayer makes a difference in the world. This prayer changes the course of two nations. This prayer affects the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. This prayer alters history in a dramatic way. It is this prayer that makes a huge difference. Prayer makes a difference in the world. Listen, if we want to make a difference in the world, we must pray. And if we pray, we will certainly guaranteed make a difference in the world. If we want to make a difference in the world, we must pray. And if we pray, we will certainly make a difference in the world. Your prayers matter. They do things. Like I say sometimes with y'all, it's, it's like kicking a ball down the field. You know, it's cause and effect. I kick the ball, the ball moves. I pray and God moves. It really is like that. And so I want us to show you from the scriptures, from this particular scripture, three aspects of Hezekiah's prayer. That we can learn from, so that we can grow in our own prayer life. Because the way we pray does matter. It matters. The things we pray matter. Uh, the attitude, the disposition of our heart matters. All these things matter to make our prayers actually more effective. You know, I don't know if you you know this, but you can pray better. Now, God receives any prayer, okay? God's not like, oh, I wish you prayed, whatever. He's not up there like, okay, well, you've known me for one week, and your prayers stink, okay? When When you've been a Christian 20 years, your prayers will be good, okay? That's not it at all. God loves prayers, childlike faith. At the same time, as a Christian, you can grow in every aspect of your life. Your prayers can get better, okay? So baseline, just pray, okay? The Lord's so happy to talk to you. He loves you. He receives your prayer. You don't have to be a professional Christian to pray, okay? So just pray. At the same time, you can keep growing and get it better. You can pray better, all right? So both things at the same time, we just pray. God loves your simple prayers, your childlike prayers as you grow. You know, nobody yells at their kid when they take their first steps. They didn't take 20 steps, you know? (laughs) Oh, my, you're such a wimp. You couldn't, you know, like, why couldn't you take 20 steps, you know? No, that's not, God's not like that, okay? You're taking your steps, okay? He's like, yeah. But he's not like, okay, stop there. No, 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 you can take five steps now. You can take 10. Now that you've taken 10, you can take 20. Now you can run. Now you can, you know, okay? So this is what it's like, all right? Uh, God is very gracious with us. But so just pray, and your prayers can get better. All right, this is how our prayers get better. The first, the first is this. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. The first thing Hezekiah did is go pray. Look at this. He reads the letter, and then he gets his council members together. They pull out a whiteboard, and they strategize how to go against this king. You know, well, I put our army here, and we put his army there, and we trick him like this. You know, No, 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 that's not what it says. He, Hezekiah gets the letter. He reads it. Uh, and he goes and gets his best counselors, he discerns what to do. His strategic warfare leaders, he just, no, 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 no. Hezekiah gets the letter of his impending doom, doom, and the first thing he does, verse 14, he went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord, and he prayed. His army is about to get wiped out. His leadership is essential. The decisions he's about to make are utterly important, and they need to come quick. But that doesn't rush him. The first thing he does is pray. Now, we we get into a difficult time when prayer becomes the thing we do last. It's like, well, I tried everything else. I might as well pray, you know. I did everything I could do. I haven't prayed. I might as well pray, you know. It's that thing where somebody's like, uh, you're talking about all your problems. You're like, have you prayed yet? And they're like, well, no, but, you know, I got to do this and this and that and that and that. This is so true for all of us, that prayer often becomes the thing we do last. It's like a Hail Mary. Like my first three plays didn't work. I'm running out of time. So, woo, let me see if the Lord, the genie God, will just bless me with some answer at the last second. You know, let me see. I haven't been looking to him at all, but I'm going to throw this Hail Mary now. I'm going to see what happens. Okay, this is how often, this is how we pray, all right? You laugh because you know, you know what deeper than time you're like, yeah, I did that yesterday. You know, I did that last night. Uh, we all do this all the time. Well, prayer is not what we do when we run out of options. Prayer is our best option. Okay? Prayer is not what we do when we run out of options. It is our best option. It is our best play. It is our primary weapon. Prayer is the very best thing we can do. As a matter of fact, nothing should be done unless we've prayed. Our first action step is to pray. And then every other action step follows after that. You know, this is important because it also cultivates a habit of going to God first. See, why did Hezekiah pray? Well, it's because he had a habit of going to God. Why? Because he, he was the king. I don't know if you remember this in, in the story of Israel that kind of opened up the house of worship again. He restored this kind of communion aspect with God. Like, this is a big deal. He's, he's a king revitalizing the people. Uh, and so he's cultivating this desire to pray. But when we pray first, we cultivate a habit of going to God first. We cultivate an instinct of trusting him, an inclination to turn towards him. You know, as opposed to that inclination to decompress, you know, and get your mind off of it, or as opposed to that inclination to call your best friend or your spouse, or, as opposed to that inclination, our first instinct becomes to pray. It becomes a habit that we cultivate. Now, this is what I wanted to address for a second. Why is this so hard for us to do this? So especially those of you who do know the Lord, you're here, you say, I have put my faith in Jesus, I want to pray, but you find this difficult, as we all do, to pray first. Why, why is prayer often our last resort instead of our first response? Well, I'm sure there's a million reasons. I have a few here just to help us think through. The first one is this. Sometimes other action steps look more immediately productive. It's because we're playing short-term instead of long-term. So this action step I can take right now looks more immediately productive. I mean, if I was Hezekiah, the first thing that would make sense is to go find my war leader and say, Okay, what's the strategy? <laughs> If they have 200,000 soldiers that set up camp against us, what are we going to do? That would seem more immediately productive, okay? i got to defend this city, okay? i got to go do this. This is the same as true for us as whether it might be us involving ourselves in a situation, taking a step of action, going to fix something. It seems like it's more immediately productive. And the, the idea of waiting on God can actually make us feel more stressful than doing it right now for myself. You see what I'm saying? What does prayer require? Well, it requires waiting. You know, the odds of you saying, Lord, help me with this right now. It's so going, boom, there you go. You know. It happened. And the Lord can do anything he wants. But the fact that prayer is going to require trust, it's going to require a release. You know, I can't have all the control. It's going to require waiting on the Lord. I mean, this is so consistent. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, this is what the Bible teaches all the time. It makes it difficult. Waiting on God makes, it, makes us feel more stressful. But the reason why it feels stressful to wait on God is because we have way too much confidence in ourselves. It's so stressful because I actually think I can do a pretty good job. I think I can handle it, or I think I can fix it, or I think I can figure it out. And the reason why waiting on God feels stressful is because I have way too much confidence in myself. And if I were more humble, and if I really believed that God was more able, then I would have no problem waiting on him because he would respond in the right time. Another reason is that focused prayer requires spiritual strength, and maybe we simply have not been forming the muscle. So focused prayer, intercessory prayer, prayer that makes a difference, requires spiritual strength. And if we haven't been working out and forming that muscle, it's more difficult to enter in. All right? Once you become a person who works out all the time, working out becomes much more simple. It becomes much more a thing that you do. The same is true with prayer spiritually. To say, once I'm a person who prays and I form that muscle every day, then it becomes my instinct. It becomes a habit. But focused prayer requires spiritual strength. Anybody who's tried to pray more than five minutes realizes all of a sudden prayer is work. It requires effort, it requires diligence, it requires discipline. Obviously, it's delight. I enjoy talking to God. All those things are mixed together, but it takes work. And so so that gets in our way. Uh, We we haven't been forming the muscle. This is why you can get better at praying. You might ought to think for a second now, what is it for you? What gets in the way of praying first, you know? It could be that you have a really great spouse who, who takes care of so many things. They're great, so you call them, you know, which is great. You should talk to them. But does that person actually become a, a crutch for you instead of going to the Lord first? You know, like, what is it? It could be a good thing in your life, people that you trust that are a blessing to you. Uh, but all of a sudden, you start turning to them as opposed to first turning to the Lord. Uh, what might it be for you? Uh, one, one time I had a thing, a, a thing that had gone wrong with my house, so I had to text my landlord. I needed him to fix it. I needed to ask him a question about the house so I could discern what to do. All right, my landlord's name was Joseph, and I had just uh, had a friend that I just met. His name was Joseph also. All right, um, this friend I'd met two weeks ago. Okay, so it's a new relationship with this with his friend. All right, uh, and so I text Joseph in my phone. I say, "Hey, um, how do I fix this particular issue? Where's the electrical outlet box or thing that I was working on?" Uh, and the guy texts me back, Joseph texts me back and he says, well, it's probably near the front of the house. So I go, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I go and I look and I say, well, it's not there. Um, I'm not sure what to do. And then Joseph says, well, you should probably text your landlord. I'm like, wait, what? You know, you are my landlord, you know. Uh, And then I come to realize I had texted Joseph, my new friend, who I just met, and I'm asking him questions about my house. And I had not texted Joseph, my actual landlord, who knows how to fix things, all right. Uh, How often is this true for us, though, in our spiritual life, that the reason we're getting bad answers is because we're asking the wrong people. The reason why you're getting general advice is because you asked people who have general thoughts. The reason why you don't get specific help for your specific situation is because you didn't ask the landlord of your life. He knows where the things are in your house. He knows what's going on in your soul. He knows the things that you need. He knows the very specific answers to the questions that you have. But you keep texting someone else, you keep calling someone else, you keep asking someone else, and they keep texting you back, and it's not helping you. And the reason is you never asked the one who knew what to do in the first place. You need to stop texting Joseph your friend. Start texting Joseph your landlord. You need to stop talking to everyone else first. You need to start asking God. Do you want specific help for the specific realities of your life? Then you need to go to the one who knows everything about your life. So prayer is our first response, not our last resort. The second thing is that prayer starts with praise. Prayer starts with praise. Look at this. Look at the nature of this prayer. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, I'm about to die. I do not want to get my eyes plucked out and a sword through my stomach, okay? This is not, It doesn't, oh, Lord, please, you know, that's, that would be my prayer, okay? I don't want to die. I don't want to get my head cut off. This would not be great. Would you please not let that happen, okay? No, no, no. He enters in and he says what? Oh, Lord, you are the God of Israel. He says, then you are enthroned above the cherubim. You are God. You alone are God. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Now incline your ear to me. Prayer starts with praise. The first thing Hezekiah does is speak to God about who God is, not what he needs. Now, the reason why this is important is not because what you need is unimportant. It's because you need to pray about what you need within the context of who God is. Your prayer life needs context. Your prayer life needs perspective. Perspective. Your prayer life needs alignment. And when Hezekiah comes in and he says, listen, you are God, you are God alone. It's almost like self-talk too in a way to remind yourself, you know, you are God over synacrib. like you rule over nations, you have power over all people. He's affirming this, not like God needed a reminder. He's affirming this to God, he's placing the rest of his prayers of what he needs within the context of who God is. And when you pray about what you need within the context of who God is, your prayers now become filled with faith because you're not praying just about what you need and the difficulty of the situation which brings you down into the muck and the mire you're praying based off who God is his character his power and it's instead of bringing your problems you know and you're trying to show, you're trying to take these little problems you're trying to bring them all the way up to God you know I'm going to I'm going to take my depression I'm going to take my anxiety I'm going to take this difficult situation in my life I'm going to take this trouble I'm going to bring it up to God you know take it you know you're trying to it up there as opposed to doing that which gets so hard you say lord this is who you are I'm going to bring you down into this. I'm going to bring the character of God and the power of God and the love of God and the authority of God and the peace of God and the joy of God and the purposes of God and the word of God. I'm going to take that huge thing and I'm going to bring it in to handle my little problem. As opposed to trying to take my little problem, which is big to me, and bring it all the way up to God. Because my little, my problem is big to me, but it's little to God. So if I keep talking about my perspective, this is so big. But as soon as I bring God into the equation, oh, it's so small. The greatest army on earth at the time was a small matter to God. A big thing to Hezekiah, a small thing to God. Your prayer life needs perspective. You need to start your prayers with praise. You need to align your heart with who God is. You need to remember who you're praying to. And then you can bring your requests to God. Once again, it's not because your requests are unimportant. It is because your requests are important. (laughs) Therefore, you need to context, you need to perspective about who God is. Who's the one listening to your prayer? What is he like? What can he do? What is he capable of? This is very important for us. Also, when we start prayer with praise, it makes all prayer praise. Okay? If I start with praise, then all my prayers become acts of praise. It aligns my heart and it it corrects me and it gives me perspective about who God is. Uh, To give you a thought, a a little picture on this, so when I took my kids to Disneyland, you know, they do this little light show at night, all right? So it was amazing, um, but it was just the most chaotic thing I've ever been a part of, you know? And you're like, we're definitely losing someone here. Like, I don't know which one. I have a couple guesses, but we're losing someone, all right? All right? And, and they're just, just like, you're, you can't even worry about the lights because you're just trying to track all. Like, it's dark. It's dark, all right? So they turn all the street lights off and everything, okay? It's like dark. You're like, easily. I got six kids, all right? It's not hard for one of them to one row. So you, we, you, got, you got this, and we're, we're in the middle of the situation. And uh, there's this amazing light show. As soon as the show starts, I mean, they do a great job. They had the castle there and they play all the movies across the castle and things are flying and fireworks are going off. I'm like, y'all do this every night? They're like, We do this twice a night, every night. I'm like, man, okay, Disneyland on another level, all right, another level. So I'm going to start shooting fireworks off from the top of the church, right? We'll start doing that. We're not going to do that, but we're not going to do that. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the money for that. I'd rather, rather feed and help people with that money. But, 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 it was an amazing experience. Now, what was funny was, and, and obvious at the time, but this, this whole thing is going off everybody's captured by the experience. All the kids are on the parents' shoulders. It's everybody. You know, there's just 30 minutes where everybody's just enraptured. Wow, Disney, you know. And they're all watching it. And then you look at all the workers, and they're like, mm, they're checking their phone, you know. Like, they're, they're just sitting there, like, mad. They're, they don't, definitely don't want to be at work right now. I feel like this is the worst part of their day. They'd rather be home. Uh, it's chaos. People are jumping over lines, you know, all this different stuff. And, and the workers, though, are paying no attention whatsoever to the show which obviously makes sense, they see that show twice a night, I'm sure it has gotten old to them, but I remember reflecting on that and I remember thinking in that moment, man, isn't that how we are with God? Oh yeah, I've seen that show, I've heard the gospel, I've seen God work in an amazing way in my life. And then we become numb to the reality of who God is and what God is doing. And there's this amazing being who's the Lord of all the earth, who loves you and who rules over all things, who can captivate you by his beauty, who's worth your whole life. And he's worth our attention and our praise. But just like the Disneyland workers, we're we're too busy, worried about the things around us. We say, I've seen this show before. I've read that scripture before. I've heard that God loves me before. I know, I know. God is sovereign over all things, you know. Nothing can stop the Lord, you know. Great, you know. (laughs) But we become just like that. And you know what happens when your prayer life is solely based off the things that you need? Then you become just like the Disneyland workers, only looking at the problems you need to fix as opposed to the show in front of you. And you know what that does to your heart? Your heart becomes oriented around the problems of your life as opposed to the God of your life. And little by little, just time in and time in, you become a person whose prayer life is so oriented around your issues that you have lost sight of the wonder of God. And then there's no reason you don't want to pray. Why would anyone want to keep doing that? There's a, there's a reason why the Disneyland workers don't want to be there at 1030 at night. Why would you want to keep doing that? And that's why praying has become so difficult. And that's why I want to encourage you this morning. You need to recover the wonder of your love and relationship to God and then couch your prayer life within that. This is why we learn first to pray just because we love God. We want his presence with us because that is so we grow to enjoy that. And then we couch the troubles and the needs of our life within this relationship with God Almighty. And then our prayer lives become enjoyable but you have been missing out on the wonder of who God is because you've been so focused on the problems that you can see around you. Start your prayers with praise, and then your whole prayer life will be one of praise. We must remember who God is. And obviously on this side of the cross, starting with praise gives me such full perspective. I encounter my trouble and I look and I remember, God, you love me. You demonstrated your love for me in this, that while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. God, I know you love me because you died for me. God, I know you love me because you let me know the gospel. Lord, I know you love me. I know you're sovereign because you saved me. I didn't even want it. And you saved me and you revealed yourself to my heart. I didn't go running after you. You came running after me. I know that you care about me. I know that you're there to help me. I know who you are. I know I'm forgiven. I know I have hope in heaven because of who you are. I center all of my life around these wonderful truths in the gospel. I become a enamored with who God is, I become filled with faith, and then within the context of the gospel, and God forgiving my sins, and giving me the hope of heaven, and being there for me all the time, and proving his love, in the context of that, I pray, and I bring my needs before the Lord who loved me and shed his blood for me, and now my prayer life has confidence, it's full of faith, and it's also more enjoyable because it's in a relationship with him. This is what it looks like for us, and that's the good news of the gospel for those of you who are here. That's how you get to pray, is you believe and trust in what Jesus has done for you in his life, death, and resurrection. And the Lord wants to start a relationship with you this morning. Okay, the final one is this, prayer ends with a purpose. So prayer starts with praise, and prayer ends with a purpose. So these are bookends to prayer. I hope you see this, that here's how you start, here's how you end, and those two things help you navigate the middle, all right? So prayer starts with praise. Hezekiah says, hey, Lord, this is who you are. And then he ends with purpose. So he prays, he asks, you know, for help. And then verse 19 says, save us so that all the earth may know that you are the Lord. Prayer ends with a purpose. I'm going to ask you, what is your so that in your prayer life? Our prayer life needs a so that. The things we bring before the Lord needs a so that. We need to connect our prayers to the greater purpose of who God is and what he's doing in the world. The power of a prayer comes in its connection to who God is and what God wants to do in the world. Save me, not just for me, which would be great, and you do love me, but save us so that you may be glorified. Save us so that all the earth may know that you are the Lord. There should be a so that connected to the needs you bring before the Lord. So that you can connect your personal life to the greater plan and purposes of God. Once again, this is not because your personal things are not important. It is because you need to have context for your life. To say, as I pray for the things going on in my life, I actually become healthier when I connect that to the plans of God in the world. And if I I, I attach God's glory to the prayer request, it has more power because this is the thing God is after. God is primarily after God being glorified in all the earth. This is what he does throughout the scriptures, so that they may know that I am the Lord. This is something God has said often. Hezekiah takes something God has said, and he attaches it to his prayer. And he says, I join you in your purpose that all the earth may know that you are the Lord. This is why I pray. Would you please save me? And I don't want to die, you know, and I am concerned about my life. But at the same time, I want you to receive the glory Now, the only person who can pray a prayer like that is a person who prays with praise. P-R-A-Y-S. P-R-A-I-Z-S-E, okay, all right? Praise with praise. Why? Because you have cultivated a heart that cares more about the glory of God than the situations of your life. Why is it so hard to put so that on your prayer life? Well, it's because for the most part, we're more concerned about what's happening to us. Than we are about what God's doing in the world. The fact that even praying so that for something else greater than me can be difficult to us is a sign and symptom to us that we aren't that concerned about the greater things going on around us. But when you start your prayers with praise, you become a person who prays with praise. That person over time becomes formed into one who cares more about the glory of God and the purposes of God in the earth than their own personal situations. And every time a personal situation is brought up, it is included within the greater plans and purposes of God. And because it is included in the greater plans and purposes of God, it has more effect. You see? And this is is important because these are the kinds of people that we are becoming. The way you pray is creating a type of person in you. And that type of person now is going to dictate the things you pray and the things that you do. And so the way you pray matters an awful lot because it's forming who you are. And it's forming how you think. It's forming what you want. And out of those places, you pray. And so I want you to see now that prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Prayer starts with praise, and prayer ends with a purpose. Now, I want to answer one more final question about this, because often our problems with prayer is that we base our belief on prayer, not on the word of God, but on our experiences. The reason we get discouraged is because we don't see God answer the things that we asked. I asked for healing, didn't get it. Asked for a better job, didn't get it. I actually got a worse job. You know, I asked asked for healing and my health got worse. You know, like, and these things things discourage us. Honestly, obviously they do. And then we grow just not to expect any answers. It's the same with sharing the gospel. I shared the gospel 10 times and nobody was interested. Everybody hates God, right, you know? And so why would I keep doing it? It's the same thing. And we base, we we slowly begin to base our uh, preferences or the way we do it on our experiences as opposed to letting the word of God lead us. So now we have to learn that our faith comes from hearing the word of God, not from filtering my own experiences. My faith in what God can do is, is not based only off what he's already done in my life, but what he has said about himself. Now, I have a lot of affirmation in my own life. God has moved mightily, and I can praise him for that. He's also not done a million things I asked him to do. Obviously, you know, this is part of the way. But some of you have gotten so discouraged because you haven't gotten the answers that you thought, and now the cause and effect nature of prayer has been, like, nullified in your life. You just don't really believe it makes a difference anymore because it's not turning out the way that you thought. And I want to bring you back to trusting in what God has said in his word and not what you filter in your experience. And the final example I want to give you is this, right, to help, help this land because this is very important. Uh, so one time I was getting on a plane, and I always get the aisle seat, okay. I'm 6'2", I need leg room, all right. So I always got to get the aisle seat. I can't, I can't stand anything else, all right. So I'm getting the aisle seat. This is what I'm doing. And I go to the, get my ticket, and I realize that my ticket is like a middle seat. And I'm like... You can't change my seat. You know, I don't understand what's happening. This is before you could get it on your iPhone, all right? So I had, I was getting it at the, at the place, all right? So I got my ticket, but I had to rush and go ahead and get, get get towards the plane. So I was huffing and puffing, man. I was so upset. I was like, man, I got to sit on this plane for four hours in the middle of the seat. You know, I don't want to do any of this. So I get to the plane. Uh, I finally board the plane. Uh, And then I realized over over time that the seat number was the emergency seat row, and I had the entire row to myself. What I thought was a seat in the middle was actually an entire row to me. It was actually an entire row to me. Uh, What looked like it was a a burden or a problem actually turned out to a blessing. The reason why I was huffing and puffing was because I couldn't see the whole thing. And sometimes the Lord lets you make those dots, you know, like this to this. But most of the time he doesn't. And so therefore you have to always realize that what may look like an issue that can't be solved or worked out or something that didn't work out for you, you don't have the whole story. And either you can trust God, you know, that one day you'll be sitting in the seat that was actually better than the one that you had thought. How many times can y'all testify to the fact that what I prayed for, if I would have got that, it would have been a problem for me. If the Lord would have said yes to me, I would have, she said no to me, you know. Every time the Lord said no has turned out to be good for me. Every time the Lord has redirected. And so I want you to have that picture in your mind. That as you pray, God knows the full story. He knows the ticket that he's giving you. He knows the seat that it will put you on. So stop the huffing and puffing. Get rid of the doubt and the discouragement. And live by faith that whatever ticket God has given you is the one that you needed. This is the story that God is writing in the scriptures and in your life. So filter your prayer life off of the word of God and not off your own experiences, and you will be encouraged and you will grow. Prayer makes a difference in the world around you. Prayer has cause and effect. And the more we believe this, the better we'll pray. And the better we'll pray, the more effect we'll have in the world. All right, let's pray now and let's worship and respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We pray, we pray, we pray that you would teach us to pray. That's where it all starts, Lord. you got to teach us to pray. Continue to help us to become more like you. Thank you that you receive even our weak, uh, uncertain, unsure prayers. Thank you that you receive prayers of childlike faith. We thank you for your grace towards us. We also pray that you would help us to grow, that we would mature, that we would become people who pray with more power and more effectiveness, that we would be devoted to prayer. Thank you that our prayers actually do make a difference in the world. Thank you that you include us in your plan. What an awesome privilege. We worship you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray now. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond. Respond to the Lord.